Hey guys, welcome into another episode of Digging Deeper, the podcast from 4constructionpros.com that has in-depth conversations on all things pertaining to the construction industry. I'm Wayne Grayson. Today on Digging Deeper, we are talking with Alan Pumplin. Alan is a product specialist at Caterpillar for Caterpillar's construction and digital uh, technology division. And Alan is here to talk about remote operations, specifically kind of like the evolution of Caterpillar cat command solution for really three types of remote operation and that, and that list is really kind of growing because at the at the very bottom and really kind of like obviously the, the first type of remote operation that we you know have have seen or are used to right is line of sight remote operation with kind of the shoulder harness and the the small kind of control pack you're looking at the machine you're on the site with the machine and you're controlling it outside of the cab that has evolved into what caterpillar calls the cat command station which has and it, it looks like the uh, inside of an operator's you know environment pulled out of a machine you've got an operator's chair you've got a set of joysticks and then you've got a bunch of tv screens and audio being piped in from the machine itself and it allows you to remote operate the machine from hundreds thousands of miles away even um, with a very similar experience to what it you know feels like to operate that machine within the seat obviously not a one-to-one experience but a pretty close and we talk about how close that experience has gotten in this episode and then obviously the third evolution a piece of this evolution of remote operation is going to be autonomy and semi-autonomy and alan discuss alan and i kind of discussed that as well and so we've got a lot to kind of dig into i feel like i've already spoke uh spoken too much already at the top of this thing want to go ahead and get you into this really interesting conversation with alan pumpkin of caterpillar about remote operation today and how that technology is going to continue advancing into the near future. Alan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Digging Deeper. How are you doing, man? Good, Wayne. Thanks for having me today. Good. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, let's let's hop right into this remote operation. Um, you and I recently had the opportunity to really kind of go in depth about a lot of this stuff um, at the Trimble Dimensions show uh, just a, a few weeks back and um, really enjoyed that. And so um, Alan and I were actually talking a little bit before this, where we're probably going to, um, go over a lot of the same stuff, but really at that show, you know, you guys were, were featuring pretty heavily the almost kind of like the upgraded aspect of, of the cat command platform, which is the, you know, you've got obviously remote control within line of sight, and then you've got, uh, you know, cat command stations, which basically allow you to kind of control equipment that could be hundreds to, to thousands of, of miles away. Um, and then we'll get into kind of like the, um, the, the semi-autonomous and kind of like the, uh, the further evolution of that kind of near, near the end of this episode. But I, I did want to start with, with the line of sight uh, technology um, in terms of re- remote operation. Obviously, um, you know, the advances in remote operation as we were just kind of going through in the evolution of the technology over the last 10, 15 years or so, it's, it's been pretty rapid, but in terms of that line of sight technology, we'll just kind of start there, you know, in terms of how that's being um, applied today um, on, on job sites, what does that look like? Has there been, has there been growth there? Um, is, is that the, you know, cause, cause I feel like, and I, let me frame this question this way. I feel like whenever we're talking about re- remote operation, it, it definitely feels like the command station, right. With the, with the chair and the joysticks and you're essentially in a little, 
uh, operator station outside of a machine. Um, that feels like uh, ultimately where it, things will will go, and that will be the more typical type of remote operation in the future, rather than the kind of like shoulder harness, you know, uh, joysticks, uh, you know, standing within you know a hundred feet of the machine, keeping it in line of sight. That it, it that that just kind of feel it felt like a stepping stone to this, but. Tell, tell us a little bit about how, tell me how accurate that is for one and, and kind of like, do you think there will be, you know, where does that technology, the line of sight type of stuff, where does that sit? What is it being used for? And honestly, what is the kind of like path for that technology moving forward as, as you know, it's essentially competing with the, the kind of more advanced command station type stuff? I mean, it was, it was great, great intro and, and you were spot on in regards to the, um, the, the various technologies in, in this in this area at Caterpillar. Specifically, we were talking about command and remote control. And when what we, we call these different, uh, you know, line of sight offerings, non-line of sight offerings, and then our semi-autonomous. And then, of course, all, you know, <clears throat> the pie in the sky, we'd love, we'd love to get to, you know, uh, eventually with the construction machine, um, the, you know, fully autonomous machines. And, and really... All these technologies that we've that that you've you've mentioned and that uh, we've talked about in, in um, previous uh, visits together, uh, are really we, we call them building blocks technologies, and and really when you start at the first building block, that is that line of sight operation, where um, you know, I'm use, using my own eyes obviously, um, and I have visual um, line of sight to that machine to operate it remotely. Now that first level really um what we're doing is obviously removing the operator and can still perform the work um but the operator um is, is still exposed to the elements right um and, and it's been around for a while um so it's it's not not that um you know as we start talking about this some of your listeners are probably like well okay remote control no big deal you know the pumper truck that just came and poured my my pole barn you know last week had a pumper truck with a remote control no big deal yep i understand you know, but what's revolutionary and what's what's really um, a game changer in this space is Caterpillar offering that. So the OEM, you know, uh, uh, manufacturer of of our Caterpillar machines, Cat is is producing this. What is that? What what does that um, offer our customers? Obviously, it's a one stop shop, right? They can go to the same um, dealers that they're used to getting their machines and supporting their machines, supported by Caterpillar, right? And so by Offering it from Caterpillar, we know that we have that dealer network, we have the parts, we have the support, you know, that these dealers have been around just as long as Caterpillar, right? So, you know, for many decades to come, they're going to be there supporting uh, this product because um, we all know, um, you know, when you think of these high-tech um, technologies, it's just important to have them supported and serviced, right, um, as 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 you move, move forward, as these machines get older. Um, but again, the biggest thing is that Caterpillar can, is supporting this and offering it and can integrate all these functions. So when I, we, we talk about the functionality of the station and how integrated it is, it applies to the line of sight. A little bit different, obviously, but when, when you look at our, our offerings, we have a color LCD um, screen. And we bring you the fluid, uh, the fluid temperatures, levels, engine RPM. You know, uh, uh, sometimes we take for granted that we have this, but then when you have to think about a lot of the third parties, um, you know, 
they have to go about, it's a little bit more of a challenge to get the same amount of information back to the operators. I mean, it's expensive. Um, some of your machines are pretty expensive. Uh, so it, it, it's a, a big investment by our customers. And so it's important to have these operators, um, you know, maintain that, uh, know the health of the machines and maintain these machines. So really that's a huge driver from um, our line of sight offerings um, is, is really that the OEM is, is offering it. Yeah, I mean, and and what are the as we kind of move into the um, is, is there anything new um, uh, you, that that has kind of gone on in that that line of sight um, kind of world to to make that experience a, a little bit better or um, or or is it is it pretty analogous to, to to what we were seeing five to five to ten years ago? And then you know, I guess to follow up on that, it do you think that there's going to be some applications? I mean, you mentioned the pump truck and I, and I would imagine that would be one of them. Um, but some applications or, uh, or machines where that line of sight is, is going to persist even when let's say the command station, uh, remote operation becomes more commonplace. Yeah. You know, so obviously those, those, those dangerous, um, applications where, you know, it's advantageous to get the operator out of the cab of the machine. Um, to uh, perhaps enhance his visibility to the um, the work area, to enhance the communications with the folks that are working on the ground, uh, those those really become become um, important. And you know, as we've seen, you know, just recently, even even uh, you know, our our friends in Europe, have, you know, uh, there was recently a, um, a a fire in a in a in a warehouse, you know, with um, so wood chips, right? And, and and that was handled with remote control. So if you think about, you know, line of sight remote control, because you think about the the nature of uh, the emergency, of course, and then keeping operators safe and, and, and away from, from that environment. And that, that happens here, right? Even in the U.S., we think about um, just recently uh, a train, you know, um, uh, a large uh, a transfer station fire. Um, and that was also dealt with um, with remote, remote controlled machines. So, so, you know, safety is still going to play a very important part of it. Um, again, it's, it's real easy to, it's what operator jump off the machine, turn it into remote control, grab his line of sight, uh, remote and, and go to work. Um, so it's, it's, it's very convenient and very practical from that standpoint. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and, and I, and I think that that does give us kind of like a clear kind of line between kind of what that line of sight will be for kind of moving forward. And cause, cause I do think that especially there's there's just been you know if I'll you know we talk to contractors uh, uh, about it and I, I think for the guys where they've never really encountered the situation where it makes sense uh, to use something like that or they don't have the kind of experience themselves they've always been kind of like I don't really understand the point of this but for but for the for the, for the guys where like you mentioned where there's uh, you know dangerous situations or you, you mentioned like the the fire or some kind of um, you know environmental kind of concern in terms of getting people you know far enough away from the visibility from the safety aspects like that right that those those things are out there um, but they're not as kind of like you know uh, commonplace to where everybody would kind of like understand exactly the the the, the importance of it however. Um, kind of moving forward here with the command station, I and what we were talking about at at Dimensions, I really, you know, I think that when you combine that with kind of like the challenge of of getting uh, operators 
uh, and you know skilled operators into the seats of these machines, um, which has been a huge kind of burden on the industry here for the last ten to fifteen years. That that type of thing, whenever you're able to get a seasoned operator into one seat and have them be able to switch between multiple machines, control styles, etc. That's when the remote control kind of technology, I think that there's not going to be any confusion as to whether, um, you know, the, the usefulness or the practicality of that. And so um, it's been interesting to see the technology honestly evolve from kind of like an RC type situation to something that is happening over thousands of miles um, over, over, you know, networked equipment and network job sites. So with all of that being said, give us an idea um, of, of what that technology is, the CAT command station. Explain that, you know, for everybody who's not initiated with that, what is uh, the command station? How does it work? What does it allow you to do? Sure. So uh, the command station that you're referring to um, is is uh, obviously non-line-sided remote control. So basically, when uh, when you look at the machine, and there's various types of machines, um, uh, different families that we we offer this in. You know, um, uh, tractors, uh, wheel loaders, skid steers, excavators. What we do is we put high definition cameras on these machines, and we uh, bring this this. Uh, the video feed back to an operator that's seated in a comfortable, uh, basically virtual um, cab. And in this station, what we call the command station, the operator has, um, you know, the high-definition uh, high camera feeds brought back to him, including audio. In addition to that, of course, we bring uh, the operator some additional um, sensor feedback, like a lot of the machines have um, uh, inclinometers, so we can let the operator know, you know, what the chassis, you know, the pitch and the roll of, of that chassis, of that machine is. And um, so what we're doing is we're bringing it, bringing all the controls back to the operator. The operator has uh, joysticks. These controls on this station are universal. So that does mean that I can control uh, a dozer or I can switch to a wheel loader and the pattern of the these controls will switch now Wayne, you did see that at, at trimble and um and, and it's, it's pretty intuitive from that standpoint i mean obviously there's always trade-offs when we, we talk about universal because um you know going back to the history of the development of these machines you know uh the patterns of of those of uh, an excavator um and then versus like a wheel loader now these stick steer wheel loaders are becoming more and more prevalent and, and popular um, you don't have a steering wheel necessarily. You're actually using the, um, you know, a stick steer. In fact, our current small wheel loaders is only offered with a, um, a steering wheel. And when you retrofit the non-light sight system, we actually convert it to a stick steer. So it can work with a station and then you actually have a physical stick steer device in that, in, in that wheel loader. So, you know, again, it's uh, very intuitive. Uh, we, we work really hard to, um, because you are doing real-time uh, uh, remote operations, the, uh, there's minimal, if, and, um, you know, minimal latency. We work really hard um, in that in, re in regards to real-time mach machine operations. So I, I think you experienced that yourself. Um, you know, we have plenty of videos out there um, with, 
with with uh, customer success stories of, of them running it. And you can see the, the operators that they're able to perform the actual work remotely with that. Yeah, I mean, and guys, if you know, if you've never tried this out, I mean, um, however, you can actually get into one of these command stations to to kind of give the technology a, a test drive or a spin. I, I really, Cat's um, actually had it at the past several trade shows that I've that I've that I've been to, and so there there is opportunity for the public to kind of give it a shot. But it, you know, if if you haven't experienced it yet, like Alan was saying, the the lack of latency is truly truly impressive. Um, to a, and I, I end up asking Alan lots of questions that I tend to think about from like a, uh, like a gaming standpoint. I mean, and, and that's the, that's the thing is like, because of the network, because of the universality of the controls, right. And you mentioned, this is one thing that's extremely interesting to me right now is you mentioned kind of like this, uh, like even on excavators now with, with stick steer. And I think of like the, the uh, the Cat 306 um, uh, excavator that that has kind of like the tool carrier configuration and sticks to your I mean and it's you you start getting into this situation where everything feels like it's kind of trending toward more of like a like a skid steer or, or a CTL type pattern to where if you understand that pattern right you can operate an excavator you can operate a wheel loader you can operate a dozer and obviously there are differences. Uh, with with those things, but I mean, we're we're kind of in this era now of equipment operation, equipment control, where there is a consolidation toward the sticks, um, and I think that that definitely going back to like the gaming aspect of it, um, the younger operators, the inexperienced operators who are getting into the machines, there's just a much more um, the learning curve is drastically reduced for them because of the sticks and because of the as much commonality as you can kind of introduce. And so I think that, you know, those kind of trend lines or the, the convergence of those things between, you know, um, a, a lot of operators, the veteran operators kind of aging out, having to find newer, you know, new, you know, newer folks to kind of put in the seats of these, these machines, the fact that they're younger, the fact that they maybe in their, you know, probably in their childhood, they already have kind of like an understanding between, um, you know, joysticks or Xbox controllers or, or whatever it is there, you know, you scale up an Xbox controller and you, you have pretty close to two joysticks in an, in an excavator. I mean, it, it, the, uh, if, if, if an Xbox controller is comfortable in your hand, you pretty much have a good understanding of, oh, okay, I, I see this hand does this and this hand does this, just like this thumb does this and this thumb does that. The hand-eye coordination is there. And, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an extremely interesting thing. And so when you sit down, and that's definitely my background is growing up with games and everything like that. And so whenever I sit down and I'm, I'm seeing a one-to-one nearly of I'm putting input into this joystick and I'm seeing the machine move. My brain is expecting, honestly, because the machine is a thousand miles away, my brain is expecting there to be a little bit of a delay and it's not really even there. It's there, but it's not noticeable. And so it doesn't feel like it's encumbering my work. And so that it, it's just the combination of these things, this nexus of the control scheme and the consolidation along with where we're finally at in terms of um, networking infrastructure where we can create job site networks that are um, low latency and, and everything else like that. But um, take us into that aspect of it, that latency uh, part of it. 
um, to where how how you guys have gotten to this point where you know there may be a hundred milliseconds uh, of of latency in terms of your input it reaching the job site and then coming back to you and seeing it actually happen on the screen. What are the things that were required of that? Um, and uh, you know what what is kind of like the the job site scenario that you have to have in terms of setting that up to make it possible. Sure. So when you, you touched on a good point, so uh, Caterpillar offers the station, and then of course all the hardware that goes onto the machine to make that machine remote control. So the portion that we don't sell, we don't sell radios. So the infrastructure is taken care of by the customer with our guidance. So we've, we've evaluated a lot of the radios out there. Um, obviously, for certification standpoint, you know, if, if uh, a customer in Canada is going to buy a radio, it has to be certified in, in Canada. So uh, by doing it this way, right, the uh, country certifications are taken care of um, by the manufacturer. We work closely with a lot of the major um, radio manufacturers out there. When I say radio manufacturers, I'm talking about industrial Wi-Fi. So that's what makes that machine wireless, you know, around the site. And um, when you look at all the solutions out there, because, you know, it, it's, it's a dynamic space and it's moving very quickly, as you know, with technology. But when you look at the best bang for the buck, the reliability, you know, we've been, we've been using this industrial Wi-Fi in mining for the last 10 years, right? So there are thousands of customers, thousands of instances of this application running and working, right? And, and working day in, day out, right? The reliability, uh, what our mining customers expect um, from, uh, you know, a production environment, it, you know, is far exceeds what we, we, we see in, in, in most general heavy construction, right? Um, so having said that, uh, you know, the, 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 the Wi-Fi, there's, there's so many different ways to accomplish um, uh, connectivity, right, with different various various price points, right? Uh, Caterpillar, we work closely with our customers and our dealers to make sure that, you know, uh, we, we have the best solution uh, for the customer based upon, of course, their application, right? And and then, and of course, their their budget and, and uh, you know, um, how they work. So it's, it's just it's really important when we look at, at the um, integration of this technology Right, how they're going to use it, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be integrated into those work processes also affects how am I going to have a network that supports this, right? Because when you think about that, because that's the first thing folks say, it's like, well, you know, you got a, a mine that's a fixed, fixed infrastructure. Well, yeah, that's no brainer. You know, it's a controlled environment. Well, when you think about that, they're covering, you know, you know <laughs> multiple square miles of coverage. But if you think about a miner, their workspace, their their work face, is always moving as well. They're in a dynamic environment. They're moving, right? Their their work face is moving. So, you know, when we relate that to back to construction, it's like, you know, well, this won't work for me. It's like, well, because well, I'm 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 out, you know, I'm mobile. I'm moving. Well, yeah. Well, how how much are you moving in a day? What's your work cycle? How are you? Well, that impacts your design of how you want how you want to support your wireless environment. And so, um, so taking all that into consideration, right? When we, we, we start talking about um, the uh, wireless solution um, for for that for command, like I said, that application really impacts um, you know what that's going to look like. But when we talk about latency, so what you saw at Trimble, and, and we were you know um, not too far away down in in, in Tanaha, you know. Across the U.S., you're talking about 
you know, roughly 50 milliseconds of latency, not much. We start getting, you know, international. Yeah, we start seeing in the hundreds. We like to stay our operators, our operators just from our, our, our research development, working with, with, um, you know, expert operators, you know, we want to stay under about 200 milliseconds, um, of, of latency, which will, you know, again, we, we just ran a bomber for, you know, a couple of weeks, um, at this last bomber and, uh, that was Munich to, um, Arizona. We were only about, you know, uh, less than 150 milliseconds. Um, so very, very doable. Uh, almost every implementation of command around, uh, around the world is actually, you know, a local private network, but in, in all reality, single digit latency figures, right? Um, if you were, you were, you know, 50 miles away, you know, you, you know, from, from that work site, well, it, that's a long drive, but in all reality, when you talk about connectivity and network with a command system, you're, you're, you're only talking about, you know, you know, well under, well under 50 milliseconds, right? Um, it's easy to achieve that, uh, anyways. So, um, again, it, it's, it's, it, I wish it was as simple and, 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 and black and white, but again, when we, Look at the applications, looking how that customer work and, and how that network is going to support that application. I suppose what's really going to define, you know, what that final solution looks like for, for that, um, for that Wi-Fi solution. Cause obviously when it comes down to our customers are looking at return on that investment. When, you know, how long is it going to take to pay it off? And, um, you know, uh, you know, how much, I, how much have I put into it? So. No, I mean, and I think that where that gets us, uh, and this is where the, the conversation definitely kind of turns toward, you mentioned mining, um, you mentioned kind of like the, 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 what's needed to kind of make it possible that, 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 and, and I think my biggest, my big takeaway uh, at this point is that the technology is there because when you start getting under like sub 100, sub 50 millisecond, like latency, I mean, you start getting into the territory of, okay, well, is is the display fast enough <laughs> to actually support that latency because that's that's another big kind of like uh, uh video game kind of like attachment to some of this right is that if you're if you're a gamer and you're you know trying to make sure that you're uh you, you know you're you're probably not using a wireless controller you've probably got your keyboard and your mouse kind of hooked up to try to reduce that latency as much as possible. So then the next uh, the next big question is, well, how fast is the display? Can the display kind of, uh, you know, sh give me the, the change and show me the input and output um, and the response to that input as quickly as it's coming back to me or as quickly as it's as it's being recognized? And so obviously, like the from the, there's nothing you guys can necessarily do uh, right, right now at this point in terms of like pushing display technology forward. So I think that where that puts us is, the the technology is there the 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 latency is you know is is not an issue um especially if you're uh, working on you know let's say let's just keep it within the continent of, of of north america and that is just so impressive and like i said if you haven't gotten a chance to kind of try it out you you definitely need to do it so it the, the technology is there it's ready for for prime time and i think where that puts us is what is the next step for you guys in terms of, I guess, outreach or just kind of like making more and more people aware of this? Because it's kind of like a similar situation with drones right now, where um, 
you know, they're, they're, or, or any kind of emerging technology that's coming into uh, an industry where it's got to be better than the consumer version of that technology. And so I think that like, you know, whether it was drones or, or surveying with, with, you know, GPS and photogrammetry and everything else like that, you had these, um, hyper accurate, um, you know, methods of measurement. Um, and, and this even affects obviously like machine control and stuff like that too. But it had to, you know, all of those technologies had to get to a point where they were ready for construction and the, the hyper accurate, like one centimeter or less accurate type of um, type of thing. And, and I think that um, it, this technology is there. So what is kind of like the how do you see this technology unfolding, Alan, kind of like from the from from being in it and seeing the potential how do you think that it grows over the next 10 years? And what are your expectations in terms of what adoption of specifically this, this cat command station of being able to uh, operate machines from great distances away, operate multiple machines from even maybe if the distance isn't a thing and the, the selling point for a particular contractor is, oh, well, yeah, that's great. But I, I we really like it because, you know, our, our best guy can actually get in the be in the cab of three different machines with just kind of like a couple of, you know, flicks of a, of, of a switch. What, how do you think that this is, is going to help with the various kind of labor issues that the industry is facing, but also just kind of uh, maybe because uh, it, it to, to me, it feels like if, if it does reach widespread adoption, then it, it, it seems like there's going to be a big change in the way construction work is done as a result of this technology. But where do you see it going? Well, Wayne, first of all, um, great points in, in, in regards to, um, you know, getting getting folks um, to come out and, and actually um, operate command. The, the next opportunity for that um, is actually going to we're going to be at Con Expo. So Con Expo in Las Vegas, uh, 2023, coming up in March here. Um, you know, definitely invite yourself even to come out. Now you're like, well, I just did it in Tremble. Well, in Tremble, you had we had two machines you know, that you could operate in one, one location, right? We're going to have three different locations. We're going to have, um, you know, half a dozen different machines for you to operate. Plus, we're going to have three stations. But more importantly, what, what we're, we're you know, so when we talk, talk, talking about the evolution and showing this is, is especially at this next kind of expo, is you're going to see how can these machines work together remotely, right? So I have two machines. The machines, you know, um, yeah, they can perform a task by themselves, but they always they usually work as a system, right? And and we're going to show that we're going to show that interaction where you're going to be able to, you know, um, have one of your colleagues jump into the station next to you, and let you and your colleague operate from Las Vegas um, machines across the U.S. even in international, you know, across the international border, but um, machines working together and and showing that how it works together. But also in addition to that. Going to the next level, the integrated, you talked about the integrated technologies like CAD grade. So we're going to not just let folks like at Trimble, we were letting you play around with the machine. We did have um, a grade plan put in, but now we're actually going to take it to the next level. We're actually going to show meaningful work. So what does that mean? We're going to put in um, some work plans into into CAD grade, right? The CAD grade on excavator, the dozer. Um, and, and when you come to experience command at Con Expo, um, you know, you're going to be giving a task and you'll be actually doing work. You're going to be able to see that, um, these machines, um, perform like they normally would on, on a job site, right? Kind of, um, taking it and, and now bringing it, bringing 
the the demo these these applications showing our customers um, relating it to their application that they can do that work um, and and I think that's 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 one of those those, those key steps so when when for, for folks first first of all jump in they're like wow this does work and I can do work remotely um, it does it does work well I can transition from a 3d env- environment to a 2d environment and they online site station um, but more importantly, it shows you can do the work with our integrated technologies like CAT Great. And then, of course, all those other operator assist features that are, are, are standard on most of our machines now. So that makes makes a huge difference running, running remote. So we're going to see that when we look at industry trends and customers are asking us, asking for this. Um, they want to be able to make sure that they can still do the work. And we want to definitely show, show them that. We want to show them that they, we can, they can still do that work. They can do it remotely and still be effective. That we have the tools, the integrated technologies, machine technologies, assist features um, that will make it um, possible and keep their efficiency, you know, uh, world class. Um, because that's what a lot of these assist features do, right? It'll take, um, you know, uh, novice operators and let them um, operate as as a senior, um, you know, seasoned uh, operator, um, which which is fantastic that you know you can take that step while incorporating command, you know, running remote. Now we start talking about the attractiveness of this type of technology across the board. You know, when we look at mining and and obviously mining in remote locations, yep, we had they had issues in, in the past with uh, you know tracking operators and stuff like that. Obviously, a, a big driver, but the number one driver was safety, of course. Of course, now that applies to construction and and. You know, keeping operators safe is you know a great um, it's it's a great way to operate and and to really guarantee right and until you you know remove the operators. Um, so the nice thing um, about um, command, uh, well actually moving into construction is that the folks folks have, have not not only realized the safety aspect but you know what you had mentioned before the ability to operate um take your operators and and um operate them in remote loop you know take your best operator and now that operator is able to um run machines uh at at various different uh, job sites so how do you see that kind of um how, how quickly do you think that 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 um, you know, I, I, you know, not to, not to put you in a position where you have to speculate or, or feel uncomfortable, but like, you know, uh, do you think that that is going to, or maybe it's too early to tell, but I mean, like, do you, how, how widespread do you think there, or do you see maybe in the, the, the next 10, 20 years, um, cat command technology or like operators, um, operating multiple machines from, you know, uh, a single workstation, um, either remotely or semi-remote, you know, maybe close to the job site, but just kind of contained within like a, you know, a work trailer or something like that. How, how commonplace do you see that becoming, um, you know, you know in the you future? Know, when we're living, we're living that, we're living this scenario out now, right? We're, we're having some of those leaders in their industries, that are implementing and doing exactly as you say, um, not only proving that it can work, but uh, you know, incorporating it into their work processes. A single, let's say, command center, running their operations, running multiple machines, right? Saving those operators from having to go out, exposing them to the work environment, and, and so on and so forth. Um, 
and, and being able to work, utilize their workforce differently, and some would say more efficiently. Um, and, you know, I don't have to transport them out. They don't have to transport themselves across the site to different machines. I can uh, increase that operator's utilization. We are seeing that now. And in, in what we're seeing in different industries within construction, when I say that, and I say waste, you know, stevedoring, you know, um, uh, you know quarries, uh, you know, th those different type of applications uh, in, in within construction, we're seeing, we're working right now with those lead customers that are implementing this and showing that it can be done and being successful. And, and, and what, what happens, of course, Wayne, is that they, they have that competitive advantage. A, they won't, they learn how to run and manage manless machines on their environment, right? So they're ready for the highly automated, um, you know, um, machine as we put more automation on the machines. And then, of course, they're ready to transition to semi-autonomous or even an autonomous machine when we get there because they've gone through those learnings, right? They've gone through that change management within their their own company and their work sites and their culture to run the manless machine. So it, it is a competitive advantage for those folks that are taking that first step in their industry, becoming, you know, the, being the industry leader being at the, you know, the vanguard of, of, of this uh, change in, in, in um, you know, how they work. Yeah. And, and I think too, um, it, it, it definitely serves as kind of a, uh, another stepping stone, I, I, I think, in, in, in terms of if we get into the, the, you know, the, the third kind of evolution of, of this remote control technology, which really is semi-autonomous to, autonomous machines. I mean, and, you know, having had the opportunity to kind of see in person the, um, the, the, the CTL, right, which has uh, that, that you guys unveiled as, as, as part of the uh, one of the cat trials videos uh, earlier this year. Um, but with that cat command bonnet on top the, uh, of, of the CTL, uh, giving you that same kind of like remote operation capability, upgraded with uh with a few other things to kind of make semi-automation kind of possible where you can actually go in and you can program the ctl to to do something and it can actually go off and and do that uh by itself um that's another kind of like step forward from exactly what you're talking about to where you know in the near future you would be able to switch away from a machine but actually have that machine continue working right so you could be in your cut you know your cat command station record a specific task, whether it is a load and carry task at like a solar panel farm or, or something like that, uh, which the CTL definitely, um, as part of its development, uh, its semi-autonomy was kind of geared around um, the kind of like load and carry functions that, that happen on one of those solar, solar farms. But you see the kind of capability there where you could be operating a machine, you could record a task as kind of like a workflow or a, a, a macro, and then get that recorded in and then turn your turn your station toward another machine but that other machine that you were just you know, running is still kind of doing the task that you've that you've recorded and i and i think that that is a really uh exciting uh kind of thing especially it, it's just another evolution of the ability to kind of um expand the control or the uh, you know your the abilities of your best operators uh even further but we'll we'll kind of end today's uh discussion 
uh, talking a little bit about maybe the the prospect of that autonomy from from your perspective, Alan. How do you kind of see the next five or so years kind of playing out in terms of that specific part of the evolution? You you mentioned kind of you know obviously some of the adjustments that's going to have to take place with uh, with people getting used to. Um, unmanned machines that are actually being controlled just there's just nobody inside the cab but then we when you take that one step further obviously an unmanned machine that has now um been it's 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 been programmed by somebody but it's 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 currently uh kind of doing its uh doing its own thing it's it's actually going through that task list um on its own so how do you see that going how do how uh what do you think that that is going to divide up or how do you think that's going to divvy up in terms of the, the use of the command stations versus the semi-autonomy to the autonomy and what that next five years or so looks like? Well, you know, I think we're going to continue down this path. Um, obviously, uh, there's a tremendous amount of activity in the non-line-of-sight um, space. Um, as Caterpillar, you know, when we, when we work with these customers, um, that they're implementing this type of technology, obviously, um, you know, it's a journey, not a destination, right? And when we say that, well, we really mean that, right? As as we work with them and as we provide more automation for these machines, what does that mean? It means that as I'm running these machines remotely from a from a station, I'm slowly I'm making the operator more efficient with these assist features, but I'm also lessening his workload, his or hers workload. And as that workload, um, as we, we take that burden off that um, the operator, they can now, again, manage multiple machines, right? You go from, from being 100% remote control to now managing multiple machines, performing some automated tasks. And, and it's a natural progression, right? It's like, well, now, you know, I don't have, as I have all this technology and these automated features, I, 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 I can devote time to doing other stuff, right? And then this other stuff would be additional machines, additional tasks, because you're able to do that, right? And so that natural progression of of being able, of moving into the semi-autonomy um, uh, environment, you know, that, in all honesty, you know, if we, again, look, look at mining, you know, where you have our semi-autonomous, our largest dozer, D11, is running in a semi-autonomous application, right? I mean, we have that offering now today, um, where a single operator is essentially managing up to five D11 dozers, where we've automated the push cycle, right? So I still need to take remote control of these machines if they either hit a rock or to remove, you know, um, they need to get refueled, right? Um, that operator is now just managing that fleet of machines to, to perform work. So likewise in construction now, you know, as we unburden these remote control operators, we're going to progress towards that semi-autonomy. There are going to be certain applications that lend themselves to full autonomy, right? But um, in the near future, just because when you look at the number of variables in a, a construction site, weather, right? Um, ground conditions, you name it. Um, even with, uh, you know, these really smart computers, everything has to be programmed. There's still going to be variables, you know, outside, outside of even, you know, uh, computer systems control. So that uh, ability to bring that, that human um, 
back into, um, you know, helping manage these, uh, you know, semi-autonomous systems is a huge um, advantage. And that's, that's, that's what I see happening um, fairly quickly as, as we continue to implement um, these type of technologies with, these, with our, some of these leading customers in these key industries. Absolutely. Alan, man, thank you so much. I could, I, I could keep going for another uh, 42 minutes with you or even, even longer, because uh, this is such an interesting topic. Um, and it's, it's definitely going to be interesting kind of seeing how this plays out over the next several years as, as this technology continues advancing. But um, Alan, thank you again so much for, for hopping on today and, and talking with us on Digging Deeper. We really appreciate the time and I, I look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you at Con Expo. And uh, remember, bring an, bring an additional uh, operator because we'll have multiple machines working. I definitely will. We will see you there, Alan. Thank you so much again, pal. Take care. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Digging Deeper. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Alan Pumplin for hopping on and joining us to talk about remote operation. Really interesting stuff. Really appreciate Alan's time. Be sure to subscribe to Digging Deeper on the podcast platform that you prefer, whether it's Apple or Spotify or any of the other great podcast platforms. Give us a subscribe and tune in every week as we announce and release new episodes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one.